G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. If you want to sell your business, you know, a lot of people get fixated on the price. And they're like, no, I'm just going to run it for another year or two and get the numbers up and sell it for more. Well, that's fine. But what could you do right now if you sold that business? If it only takes 10% to buy a business. And let's just say right now your business is only worth a million and you just don't like that number. That number is just not sexy enough for you. Well, if we could sell your business and get you that million dollars, I could go buy you a $4 million business that's paying 1.5, 1.6 million a year. And it's only going to take $400,000 of your million dollars that you just earned from selling. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm, I'm following. I'm liking what you're saying. Yep. So, so, <laughs> so you have to, get, you have to get, you know, you have to see the forest through the trees, you see, because, because a lot of people just get so emotionally gripped to holding on to their business and they, they beat their head against the wall trying to maximize, maximize. And all they have to do is let go. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. 
Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find this show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Turn the show, the pleasure of chatting with Chad Peterson. Chad is an expert business broker and the founder of Peterson Acquisitions, an award-winning M&A firm. Now, Chad's firm handles transactions in the $1 to $25 million range, and he works with companies all over the United States, and he has completed international transactions as well. Now, Peterson Acquisitions has, was recently named by, by one publication as the number one ranked business brokerage firm in the United States. To top it all off, Chad has also written the book from Blue White, a working man's guide to self-employment. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today. He should share his incredible experience and his insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Chad. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I really look forward to uh, being on your show. Mate, my pleasure. Um, before we dive into you know what you do, let's rewind the clock a little bit and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. I made my first dollar as a kid by picking up dog shit, believe it or not. <laughs> and, um, you know, not, there wasn't any passion born there, but that's, that just goes to show you that I didn't care what it took to go make a dollar. I, I've always been money oriented. In fact, um, I, I didn't care for school very much. So I, I would get my mom to pay me for getting better grades because there was no motivation within me to, to perform well in school. I was a true entrepreneur. And it didn't matter what it was, whether it was walking dogs or picking flowers or shoveling snow or whatever it was, I would do it. Right. And whereabouts of the part of the country did you grow up in? I grew up in uh, Kansas City. Uh, nice. And that's where you're calling in from today? Yeah, that's where I'm at today. Yep. Nice. And you, just before we press record here, I hear you're snowed in, mate. It sounds, uh, sounds like it's a bit of a lazy day for you and the family. It is. We got iced in. Uh, it's a sheet of ice out there and can't even get out of the driveway. So, you know, you just you just take what comes and we're just enjoying the day from the house, all of us today. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. So, so tell me, walk me through the story. How have you got from picking up dog poop and, and, and not enjoying school? What, what's the story there to get you to where you are today? And, and, and what motivated you to get into the line of work that you do? Well, what I, what I did as, uh, you know, if you're talking about those times in my life, I, I just would do anything to go out there and I, I'd knock on doors and, and learn how to make a dollar basically. And it just kept progressing and I kept doing larger projects for homeowners. And, um, I really learned a lot, you know, frankly, I learned more 
by being self-employed than I ever did in school. It, it taught me how to be fearless, knock on doors, not to be, a, not be afraid of rejection. And I, I started mowing grass and uh, built a real company out of it. You know, it wasn't like I was some teenager just mowing grass. I had an actual company and I was making more than my teachers. And um, I was able to, to sell that business uh, and move on to college and flight school. And so I'd already had a taste of being an entrepreneur most of my life. It's all I've ever known. I've never been employed by somebody else. Interesting. And um, so I, I'm totally unemployable. No, nobody would want to employ me. Um, I, I just, I'm way, way too far past that in my career. And not only that, but I've never even been employed. I, I think I'd be a terrible employee. But to answer your question, it, it I kept uh, moving forward in business and I, I'd build a company and I'd sell it. I'd build another company and I'd sell it and it just kept going on that way. And, you know, I, I had a setback in 2001 because I was going to be a, a commercial pilot. I became a commercial pilot just before 9-11. I was flying a plane uh, on 9-11 while it happened and uh, my career was over. And so I went right back to my self-employed roots um, built another company and, you know, it just kept on progressing. And somebody just gently said, Chad, you're so good at this. Uh, why don't you help other people do it? And so I did, you know, I, I started helping people. And, and at first I was an unpaid consultant because I didn't really know how to go to the market and help other people package up their businesses and sell them. And, you know, I was just learning, I guess, to help other people. And I was being way too much of a free consultant. And then I, I ultimately decided this is really where I need to be because I've done it for myself my whole life. I can help other people do this and help them sell their business and move on to their next adventure. And that's, that was the progression of my life there. That's that's incredible, and, and and so going to flight school. So there was clearly some some knowledge and, and wanting to work for someone else there, but but just through the circumstances of, of get, graduating in nine eleven, was it just the, the fact that you couldn't find a job and people weren't employing? Well, it was you know I, I told myself that if I'm ever going to have a job, it's going to be flying a plane, where you know there's not much management to it. You know, it's, <laughs> you, you go, you fly your plane, you 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 know I was going to travel around the world and uh, stay at hotels all around the world. I love to travel. So it did make sense for me to do that. But yeah, after 9-11, the, the airline industry suffered for about 24 months. And I lost my number basically to, right. uh, to get employed. And I was just waiting to, to be employed at that time, still at my flight school training, you know, keeping everything up to date and everything. And uh, in my window just shut. And that, that's going to happen in life. You know? mm -hmm. and, and it's how you deal with it. And frankly, I didn't deal with it that great. You know, I, 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 it was a horrible time in my life because, you know, whenever you decide that you're going to do something for the rest of your life and you, you're, you're so into it, you're so passionate about what you're doing and somebody, you know, something or somebody takes that away. And it was a, it was a depressing moment in my life for sure. But thank God I could just go back to doing what I know how to do, which is business. And it, it's, it got me out of that funk, but yeah, I had to redefine my entire life because of 9-11, no doubt about it. Right, yeah. right. And it would have been a hard pill to swallow, as you said, when you had something, you had your ambitions and dreams and hopes of doing something and then it was completely dashed by you know, powers outside of your control, right? It, it, it's a, 
it's a crushing moment where you've got to reevaluate where you are in life. And I know a lot of people get to that point, um, particularly a lot of entrepreneurs that I interview on the show and probably a lot of listeners that want to change in their life. And, and But having the balls to go off and do it and, and being okay that you're going to figure it out, right? I think that's what I'm, I'm hearing from you, that you knew that you had something else to rely on and, and you're just going to put one foot in front of the other and, and keep on going down the road. Yeah, um, you're correct. And not only did I know that I needed to put one foot in front of the other, but I knew that if it was meant to be, it was up to me. I knew right. that. I mean, I, I just knew the cavalry wasn't coming. I knew that somebody wasn't going to do it for me. And I think uh, an entrepreneur has that understanding within them. And I certainly do. And it's it's saved me uh, plenty plenty of times. So, so was, was flight school pre or post this sort of buying and selling business phase of your life? Um, oh, that was... That was way before. Um, right before, got it. Well, yeah, but I mean, I like I said, I had already built a couple of companies by the time I, I went there before I nice. went to school. And I, I just thought, well, you know, might as well go try this. I, I love flying, became a commercial pilot. And um, you know, like I said, 9-11 happened. So just went back. Do you, do you, do you still have your license today? I do. I nice, do. Yeah. nice. So anytime I'm in Kansas City, I'll call you up and let's go for a fly. Yeah, why not, right? <laughs> Now my cousin, my cousin flies for China Southern and uh, out of Australia, and uh, I got a couple of buddies and investors who who are, who are who are pilots and have taken me up, and I enjoy it. You know, it's a great it's a great experience to get out in the. Um, actually, uh, my my grandfather was uh, started the first uh, commercial. This is just a fun fact: the first commercial airline company in Papua New Guinea back in the fifties, and that was a real jungle back then. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've got a little bit of my blood, but I don't know if I ever have the patience to be the actual pilot myself, but uh, definitely we should go flying sometime. Yeah. Um, but let's let's get into, you know, what you do now and, and the, the, the evolution of, of creating businesses and selling them. It's, and a lot of people maybe don't know that who, who listen to this show because we talk a lot about real estate, but with real estate, you go and you, you add value and you sell it, right? You sell it to an end buyer, which is, you know, a homeowner or another institution that wants to buy a large commercial property. But there's also the same strategies work and, and people want to sell businesses. So, so Chad, walk us through how you, you know, just how you decided to know what you're worth and go off and start your own commercial brokerage shop for businesses. And, and, and it, it's essentially M&A, you talk about M&A, mergers and acquisitions. That's essentially what you do. You, you find, a buyer, find a seller and you find a buyer and you connect them together and hopefully the business works and, and they go off and buy it. Is that, is that, that sort of from a high level point of view what you do? Oh, yeah. And I do more than that, too, because, um, you know, I actually help people with their valuations and I help them with the banking process and the underwriting and just the whole process of, um, you know, starting with with just an idea that, you know, hey, I might want to sell going through the emotional journey with the seller and the buyer and um, and getting them through all that, as well as the, the contractual, the, you know, the, the accounting, the legal um, the banking, the underwriting, you know, the life insurance, the, the whole thing. I start to kind of show there's, there's some brokers that just simply do that. They bring a buyer and a seller together, but you know, they just hope for the best basically. But I, I don't, I have a totally different approach. And if somebody comes to me to sell their business, I, I take it off their hands and I make it easy for them. And if a buyer is, you know, if we're working with a buyer to get that business sold, I, I'm holding both their hands to the entire process. And, and I believe that's why I've gotten the recognition that I have for the work that I do 
uh, I, I basically play the role of an intermediary, basically getting, trying to get two people uh, both what they want, which is hard to do a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, both, both people can't really get what they want. It's, it's like that old song. You don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. I think Rolling Stones uh, <laughs> sang yep. that song. And, you know, you, you, when you sell a deal, when you, when, you know, you want to sell a business, when you buy a business, you know, you almost get what you want and then it's time to move on and, and turn the page and move on to your next adventure. And that's really what I help people do. Um, not only, you know, from a transaction standpoint, but a spiritual and emotional process as well, because people are going through a lot, you know, when you finally decide to let go of your business, it's a, it's a big cliff to stare off of. And Mm -hmm. you you feel like you're about to jump without a parachute and there's a whole life after business. There really is. And uh, it's just starting your next business or buying, buying a bigger business. And um, so I help people with the emotional and psychological journey of going through the whole thing as well as the underwriting and, and everything that, 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 that goes with that. Um, as far as what got me into it, um, it I'll give you an analogy. Uh, you know, let's just say you're a, a star football player, which in the world of business, I was, you know, I was a star business player. I was, you know, I've, I've had twenties of millions of dollars come through my hands through my own businesses. And at some point, instead of being a player, I, became a coach, so to speak. So my passion for actually playing the game changed to helping other people. So I'm, I'm on the sidelines telling people what to do now, uh, rather than being in the game, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, that's a great analogy. And I think that really helps with the, you know, in personally from, you know, building businesses myself, like you see that evolution where you get to an age and, and an energy level and uh, where you want to maybe take some chips off the table and, and act like the consultant, act like the, the coach, as you said, because it is definitely a valuable skill that probably a lot of people out there need your help, right? And, and, and the question that comes to mind is what's, you know, I said one to $25 million range in the intro, but that's probably pretty small, still very small business, right? That's like mom and pop businesses that have been sold that you're helping with, correct? And hence why the, the psychological piece comes into it. Yeah, there's more of a psychological piece to it when it's a smaller business. When it's a larger business, it's just more of a transaction. Um, right. I, I enjoy doing the larger transactions. I would I would say most of the market out there is from one to ten million. That's the most hmm. most of the market. You know, we've we've uh, worked with companies much larger, but I just don't go after that market um, at least you know, publicly, I mean, they come to me and I help them, but you know, uh, that's like saying you only fish for 17 pound bass, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you, you, you have, you, you know, you might catch one, but you don't know. Right. Uh, right. But the, the, the core book of business is through the, the yeah. smaller mom and pop under 10, you know, one to 10 million type of type yeah. of range, right? Yeah, it really yep. is. We've got one coming up that's a hundred million, but those don't come along very often. And you know, they, they come with different problems. A uh, different set of problems, but uh, yeah, you're right. The smaller, the smaller businesses are more of that uh, mom and pop, uh, or you know maybe they just have 30 or 40 employees or something like that. Right. You know, it's not. It's it's more of a journey to get them through the process than a larger company. And, and in fact, most smaller deals are much more of a pain to get done 
I'm sure I'm sure you're doing just as much work on the smaller deals as you do on the bigger deals, right? And and you probably get paid less. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So so talk to me about the business valuation process because I I don't know. I hear these, you know, multiple the word multiples used. You know, we look at play, people like businesses like Uber and these tech businesses that have 25 multiple or 25x on their income on their earnings and like these stupid valuations. So how do you from just breaking it down for the audience, what, how do you go about valuing a business? What, what do you do? What do you What do you look at first when someone says to you, "So, hey, Chad, I've got this business. You know, what, what am I worth?" Well, sure, and, and you touched on something there. So let me let me let me hit that first point you said. You know, these companies like Uber that have these crazy valuations, or, or some of these tech companies, um, software companies, these apps and things like that. They they have a um, a very big network that they've created. And within that network is so many ways to monetize it, that their valuations are, are incredible because of that. But those are very, very rare cases. Most of the businesses that sell out there are gonna sell on, let's just say for this conversation's sake, it's gonna sell on a 3X multiple. So if you made $500,000 a year, you should be looking to sell your business for 1.5 million. And that's, that's, that's the middle of the road, right? That's a typical number. Like regardless if you're a, a mechanic or a carpet salesman or a hairdresser, like that's a, is that a middle of the road top, so to speak? Well, the, the, the 3X is, but, but here's, here's the thing. It can go up depending on how attractive the business is. Mm-hmm. And what improves the attractiveness is earnings, number one. If you have higher earnings, you can get a higher multiple. How high can that be? I mean, you start inching over 4X. And, and by the way, just for your audience, you know, to understand this, the, the 4X is, or the 3X, is of seller's discretionary earnings or cash flow, which is, you know, the bottom line of what your business is doing for you. That's after it pays for your plane tickets, your cheeseburgers, your, your car insurance, your health insurance, your salary, plus the company profit, you know, plus the depreciations added back, you know, it's, it's the bottom line. So if you had a river of mm-hmm. money coming through your business and you stuck a net in that river, whatever you catch as the owner or owner benefit is what we call seller's discretionary earnings. That's the number that we're selling off of on a multiple. Right. If you have a, so it's not, so just, just, just to be clear, it's not, the top line of revenue, correct? No, which is what I, which not. was, which I was, sorry to interrupt, is what, it's what I thought it was, which was the revenue, like you 3X your revenue and that's what the value is. But you're saying it's the, the $500,000 analogy is that's what's clear cash flow to ownership after everything's said and done, after all expenses are paid, after all debts are paid, whatever's clear, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's the net you're after, it's the net number. Mm-hmm. So the, the further you can get away from corporate America, it, it improves the attractiveness of the business. Hmm. Uh, okay. If you can, if, if it's a lifestyle business, uh, we've got one right now. We've got a business right now that's a, a yacht servicing business, and they're they're uh, they have four locations all around the world. And that's that's uh, you know it's making seven eight hundred thousand dollars a year. That's somebody that business is built for somebody who wants a lifestyle, wants to be around yachts, wants to be on the ocean, that kind of thing. Right. You can get more for that business. Whereas if, if it's a business that changed you to your desk, you've got employee problems, you've got, you know, uh, a distribution 
limitation. Um, you, you know, you're you're basically in corporate America, chained to your desk, chained to man, chained to management. You're not going to get as much of a multiple for that. Hmm. Or or like for instance, right now because there's a, a labor shortage. If you're in a, a labor intensive business and labor is just an issue right now, you, you might even get as low as 2.5 X for your business. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it just depends, but you got to start with three and go from there, depending on how attractive the business is. Got it. Okay. That's, that's, that's very interesting because you know, you use the analogy of a yacht service business. Um, essentially what you're buying is, is the book of business, right? Is the, the Rolodex of what that yacht service business has currently on the books in the saying, if you keep doing what we do and produce the same type of product that we produce right now, you'll be able to expect X amount of cash flow, and hence it's predictable. Is, is that what I'm also hearing from you saying that, that you can, that's what you're buying as the asset when you, when you come and buy these sort of service-based and lifestyle-based businesses? Um, it is, and, and that's what we call blue sky. Okay, so, you know, let's just say you're going to buy a business. Mm -hmm. there, a certain portion of that business is underwritten on the assets that you're buying. But uh, a lot of the sale of the business is what we call blue sky, which is just what you were talking about. Basically, come in here, do what we're doing, and you'll keep getting what we're getting. Right. Um, that's, the, that's what we call blue sky. Right. Right. Interesting. And so, so walk me through how you find these, you know, how are you getting lead incoming leads of, uh, you know, and you said a yacht service business, how did the yacht service business find you to say, Hey, Chad in Kansas city, you, you'll be able to help me sell my business. Like it seems, and there must just be a whole community out there of business salesmen, but it, it seems like it, you got to have, you also got to have the end person in mind who you're going to on sell this business to, right? Like it's, it's two sides of the coin. So how do you, how do you, how do you generate the leads? Well, the leads for me are pretty straightforward. Um, you know, I've, I've been uh, recognized, my work's been recognized by Inc., by Forbes, by um, you know, Seeking Alpha, um, you know, USA Today. I've been published in there. I've, I've um, number one business broker in the country on uh, several publications out there on top 10 lists and things like that. So I think people find me that way. And then secondarily, um, we market on Google. And so, you know, this, this yacht service company, one of their locations is in Spain, if you can believe hmm. that. So, you know, I'm selling a business halfway around the world and, and that's fine too. Um, you know, I, I do that and I actually love doing things that are international. It's just, there's, it just makes it more exciting for me. Right. Uh, go ahead. It, it you know, and so so who who's then the the buyer? Like, so you got the you got the lead coming in from. Are you getting both buyer and seller leads coming in from from this type of you know personal branding and googling and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, we we um, we have um, banner ads and things like that that are continually uh, trolling the internet for uh, buyers, and so I have almost an endless amount of buyers. If if a seller comes forward, we usually have a place to put them. Got it. Interesting. Do you, do you have one specific business type that you 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 do more business? You know, you do more transactions with, like a I don't know, like a, a you know mechanic business. You know, I, I assume the yachting the yachting service business was pretty obscure. But do you have one more more typical that that has a larger portion of your pie than than, than others? I don't, and and the reason is is because really I'm in the business of selling money. Okay, that's that's really what it is. And so a lot of people get it confused that I can sell any type of business. And that, that question gets asked a lot. It's really a good question. Uh, yeah. But it, 
really what it is is whenever I look at the tax return, I'm looking at the net earnings and that's what I'm selling is the earnings. Mm -hmm. So the widget doesn't matter. Mm. It's, it's the bottom line. And yeah. so it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I sold the weirdest things. I, I sold a, a bra company, you know, a woman's bra company. <laughs> and it, it looked like, uh, it looked like pantyhose, but you just slipped it, you know, the women would slip it over them. Right. And it, it, it was weird, you know, it was, it was a goofy product, but, but, um, you know, it, she made a lot of money selling them on, on TV. And, um, so, you know, hell of a little business. She manufactured them and, and sold them. I, I sold a, a, a valve company that, that made valves for making beer, you know, big, big beer vats, like moving, the, <laughs> moving the beer from one vat to the next kind of thing. Right. You know, just anything, but you know, like I said, what I'm really selling is the, the income from it. It's kind of like a considered a stockbroker, you know, I mean, they yep. sell every type of stock, but really what they're selling is money. Right. 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 So talk to me about the, the, the acquisitions and the financing piece, like you, what you say about you help the seller, but also how do you help the buyer from, okay, this, this, is, a, this is a business you're going to buy. It's got X amount of cash flow. Here's how the bank, if you want to get financing on it. So, so maybe walk us through that piece of it. Like what type of finance can, some, can someone get if they want to be a buyer of a business? Well, how I help the buyer is simply, you know, they, they've got, uh, you know, their eyes are as big as dinner plates whenever they come to me, okay? Because they're like, oh, shit, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to spend, you know, $3 million on this business. And, and they're scared, you know, they, right. they really want the business, but they're scared. I mean, that's just part of the human condition, right? And so what I help them understand is you know getting getting their heart and their mind wrapped around the business and, and understanding that this is a good fit for them and then i walk them to the bank and i make that process as easy as, pro as possible i introduce them to my my banking friends um i help them get their life insurance policy ordered because you're going to have to have one of those in place anytime you do a big loan you know if, if you die you know the bank still wants their money okay mm -hmm. so it is what it is and so, you know, getting them through the underwriting, getting their tax returns, their W-2s, all that stuff that they need, helping them fill out a business plan um, if they need to, um, you know, all just basically all the underwriting they're going to need, you know, including uh, getting the appraisals figured out for their properties, um, you know, sending in verifications for the tax returns for the for IRS. Um, you know, I just help them with all that underwriting stuff because, it would almost be impossible if you were to go to a broker like me and go to buy a business. And then just somebody says, well, yeah, go, go figure out your banking and we're here for you. It, it'd be impossible. Right. The deals just wouldn't get done. Um, so we really hold the hands of buyer and seller throughout the entire process to consult them on every single angle around the process of acquiring a business. And surely that the bank would want to look at seeing some prior experience if you're coming and buying a yacht service business, like this new owner or the new potential owner, does the bank look at that or they don't look at that? Like I know, you know, when I look, go and buy a large multifamily apartment building, the bank's like, do you have any experience doing this? Like they, they want to see that there's track record there. So does that, does that apply in the business world as well? It does, but it's not so... Um, intense like that. I mean, even if you don't have experience, unless it's a really skilled trade, mm -hmm. you know, and even then the bank's going to say yes, because everything is teachable and learnable. And for instance, you know, this yacht service business, whenever we sell this business, 
the seller will be responsible for making sure the buyer knows how to do the job. And, right. and typically what a bank will do will increase, they will increase the amount of seller carry that the seller needs to do for the buyer. And the reason they do that is for what you just, for the purposes you just asked, if the seller is still owed money, he's going to make damn sure that the buyer knows how to run that business. So let's just say you sold a business for $3 million mm -hmm. and, um, or let's just use, you know, doesn't matter what the dollar amount is. I'll just use a percentage, mm -hmm. you know, so you sell a business um, and 3 million bucks is what you sell it for. The bank may say, that's fine, but we want you to do a 5% seller carry whereby the note, you will be owed a note 5% of the purchase price. Hmm. And that note will be, you know, say for 36 months. Now, what that does is it makes the seller be responsible for making sure that buyer is successful. Now, you saying when you say a note, of, is it all, a note of five percent interest or a note of five percent of the deal? Five percent of the deal at a five percent of the deal. Yeah, at a certain interest rate, we usually match the bank's rate. Got it. So, so you're so you're sitting essentially the and so what what does the bank then come in from an ltv so if you're at th three million dollars are they coming in at like a 50 percent loan to value uh a loan to value loan no just 10 percent down and then the bank will do 90 percent. but then huh. then they'll almost always say you know we're going to do 85 we want the seller to do a five percent seller carry so the banks are doing 85 percent loan to value and so i, I really just need 10 percent down from the buyer to uh, help them buy the business. Now that that goes into the most important subject that we'll talk about yet, because if you want to sell your business, you know, a lot of people get fixated on the price and they're like, no, I'm just going to run it for another year or two and get the numbers up and sell it for more. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fine. But what could you do right now if you sold that business? If it only takes 10% to buy a business. And let's just say right now your business is only worth a million. And you just don't like that number. That number is just not sexy enough for you. Well, if we could sell your business and get you that million dollars, I could go buy you a $4 million business that's paying 1.5, 1.6 million a year. And it's only going to take $400,000 of your million dollars that you just earned from selling. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm, I'm following. I'm liking what you're saying. Yep, so, keep going. <laughs> so you have to get, you have to get you know you have to see the forest through the trees. You see, right. because, because a lot of people just get so emotionally gripped to holding on to their business, and they they beat their head against the wall trying to maximize, maximize, and all they have to do is let go, let go, sell your business, get a million dollars cash injection, take a two or three month break you know, work with a guy like me to, to get you into a bigger, better business and only take 10% of the purchase price, a, a mere fraction of your total winnings from selling. And you can right. triple your income or quadruple your income. And, and, and the, the emotional and psychological reason that people don't look at it that way is because they get too emotionally invested to their investments. And that, and that's a cataclysmic fatal error to do that. Your business is an investment. If, if your investment is not paying you what you want, then there's other investments that can be made. And your business is a living, breathing animal that has equity in it. It has value. You can convert that into 
manageable dollars and take a quantum leap into a whole new stratosphere of success. If you, if you just let go of the emotional grip that the, right. that the business has on you. No, I think that's a really, really smart advice and, and, and a great example of what, you know, being, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs and business owners, which is essentially a business, an entrepreneur is a small business owner, right? That is, it's just a sexy new word for it that we've coined in the last 20 years. Uh, but the, the thing is, a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs, they can't get out of their own way. They're sole entrepreneurs. It's their baby. It's their thing. It's their, and the, the emotional side of it is really, really important. And, and so I think that's really incredible piece of advice. The, the 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 question I have for you is is the the value of the assets. How do you know? How do you protect your downside as a buyer? Well, I also want to, sh- also want to touch on something there. I, I, sure, I agree with you mostly about what you said, but let me let me give you a little bit of a different angle. Uh, what if entrepreneurs and business owners are not the same? What mm. if a, what if an entrepreneur is the guy that has the balls to to go do it, the vision, the gusto, the energy, but but maybe he's a terrible manager. You know, you see this yep. across the board. You see a distinct difference between entrepreneurs and business owners. Believe it or not, and, and this is kind of a hard thing to get people to realize. They, they resist, you know, admitting to this. But if you're from corporate America, you are actually a, a, you're far more suited to own a business and manage that business than what a, a, a brazen and bold entrepreneur like myself is because I'm going to go build a business and I'm going to, I'm going to work like hell and build that business up. But maintaining a business takes a totally different mentality. It takes that day in day out droning on a business and really hovering over it and managing it and grooming it and watering it and feeding it. And entrepreneurs are not really built that way. Mm. So I think that, you know, for, for your audience, you know, I think people need to understand going into a business, whether or not they're an entrepreneur or if they're a business owner, because there, there is a little bit of a difference there. But, but also, and I think you bring up a great point because I, what, the, you, the, what you just said to me there, I remember meeting this guy many years ago, because uh, I'm a structural engineer, that's my, that's my background, and I remember meeting this guy and I said, you know, he's at an engineering joint thing, you know, meet up, you know, sort of networking event. And I was like, well, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I buy engineering businesses. I'm like, are you an engineer? He's like, no, I'm not. But my whole thing is that I buy the business and let, there's a lot of these engineering firms that they are started by, you know, Joe Blow's engineering. They've had very 20, 30 years of success. They're getting older in their career and they want to take some chips off the table, but they don't want to stop working. And so they want to sell the business to someone who is exactly what you just said, the entrepreneur. And then, they, but the business stool is, is run by Joe Blow uh, and his crew that keep going and still just love, you know, love what they do. And, and so do you see a lot of that as well? We're just, People just come and look, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to keep the people in place. Nothing's going to change. And um, we, I, I just, I'm just going to keep going on, on my merry way because it's giving me a really good return on my money. Yeah, I see that a lot. And and so a, a good entrepreneur will, will know his role. He'll stay in his lane. He won't right. try to get in there and be the business manager and you know chop things up and do things different. A good entrepreneur knows, hey, this, this boat is floating perfectly as it is. I'm not going to change the thing. Mm-hmm. And, and he's still and, getting a good return on his money, right? Because he's putting ten percent down, and it's giving him a really good return. And so he's just like, look, got, there's no management headaches for him because it's it's all working like clockwork as it is. Yeah, and not only a, a good return, but 
it's such a safe investment. And, and, and I believe that a lot of people are scared of business because they think it's so risky because businesses go out of, out of business all the time. And they do. Businesses go out of business all the time. But when you buy an established business, it's, it's already seasoned. It's established. It's, it's, mm. it's got stripes on its shoulders. It's not going anywhere. And as, as long as you go in and you, you maintain what it is, you can sell that business for exactly what you paid for it if there's no growth. Or you can grow it and sell it for more whenever you exit. So you're building equity in your business, uh, just like you would be in a portfolio of real estate. And you, you bring up, that, that's the, the whole thing, right, is, is, is safety in this world. And to your point of people think businesses are unsafe. So how is a business, as someone who wants to buy a business, who's an entrepreneur, what do they look for? Is we, I think we've hit one topic, which is one, one, you know, number one is it's an existing business that has someone who wants to stay on board, who still loves what they do, but they don't want to exit and they just want to take some, some risk off the table. So that, that would probably be a very good litmus test of, of reducing risk. Are there any other things that you can advise for potential listeners out there who, who want to buy businesses and how they look at that risk portfolio and what reduces it? Well, I think what reduces your uh, risk is having a good broker, number one. You know, a, a good broker is not going to let you get into something that, that is not, you know, viable. Right. There is a lot of people out there in my industry that I do not respect. And they're what I call them paycheck professionals. Okay. They're, they're there to close a deal. So then, so they get paid. And, and that's a terrible situation for anybody to be in. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrible for the buyer clearly. Um, because what's the buyer being told? Is this broker being authentic? Does he have integrity? Or is he right. just being a paycheck professional? It's also terrible for the seller too, because if the broker gets in there and sells a business to somebody that's, you know, sells them a bill of goods, basically. Um, now the seller is going to end up in litigation. Okay. Let's just say that, that things weren't done properly. You know, there's going to be a lawsuit and it, wor it works out terribly for the broker too, because now, now you've screwed somebody's life up. You know, you sell a business to a man, he's married, he's got you know wife and kids, he's got, a, he's got a, a life to pay for. Now you tie a $2 million anchor around his neck um, and it's not what, what was said to be. That's very dangerous for, mm. for all parties. So to minimize your risk, you got to get with a broker who's really doing the right things. Now, I don't, I don't need the money, okay? I'm not saying I don't need money because I, I, I love money. I want to keep making money my whole life. But, you know, if I, if I don't make a, a paycheck off of this one deal, I'm, I'm fine. So I don't, you know, I'm not in the one deal business. I'm in the deals for life business. I'm going to be doing this when I'm 75 years old. So I don't need to tarnish my name or, or mess somebody's life up. I've actually pulled people out of deals. I've said, this deal's not for you. Back out of this. Right. And that really irritated the seller. This happened last year. The seller just wanted it sold. I said, man, he's not the right fit. I'm, I'm not doing it. And he got really irritated at me. And um, about, I don't know, three months later, I had it sold to somebody else. And we're all friends now. And, <laughs> and that we're friends. And if I called him for a favor, he'd be there for me. Um, and either one of them, buyer or seller. And they, they realized that I knew what I was doing. And it wasn't, a just, it wasn't just about accomplishing a sale. It was about making the right fit happen. Because I don't need anybody mad at me. The seller doesn't either. 
and you can get too locked in to trying to get a deal done and you can you can really lose your your way about you and I, I refuse to do that so that, that's number one number two when when your buyers are when you're, when your audience is looking for a business to to buy make sure that the management and make sure that uh, the the marketing the management and the marketing are top-notch okay meaning what what, what does that mean well if, if if the if the manager has issues with the employees um, or if the, the marketing is is not you know if the, if the seller leaves is the buyer going to be able to do the same type of marketing that the seller was right. in other words you know you in every in every business there's a unanimous uh, common common thread and that the business has to be coming in the door there has to be the incoming revenue and then it's, sure. it's how you spend it that defines your failure or success. And so, you know, you have to really evaluate, you know, is the management going to be okay? I mean, you know, it's, it's really uh, incorrect to think that whenever you buy a business that the employees are just going to up and leave, that really doesn't happen, but there can be rubs, you know, with, with the seller and the, the employees because you know you work together you get in arguments that kind of thing happens so you want to make sure that stepping into that role that, that you could either you know put put some ointment on those wounds in that business because i, I promise you in every business there is that dynamic between mm. the seller and his employees there's always some sort of dynamic so you want to understand that dynamic and whenever you can meet the employees you want to come in and you want to say, look, I, I'm going to do the same thing that the seller was, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to bring even a better thing to you all because that's because employees are married to their paycheck. Right. So a lot of, a lot of sellers and buyers are worried that whenever the seller leaves that their employees are going to quit, but that's not, they're not going to do that. They just want to make sure that their paycheck continues and might get better. So if you can go in there and do something better than what the, former owner was doing and if the marketing spigot is turned on to where you know the the revenue stream is still coming then you've got you've got a great business ahead of you so get the right broker make sure the seller hasn't destroyed their business internally with their employees and 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 make it a smooth transition and a win-win for everybody right in. yeah and, and and you know as we, as we become more savvy there's there's different ways to add value to the marketing, and you know, I know that going back to that gentleman I met, uh, that engineering uh, meetup, he, he he was shocked at how many old school engineers there were that really good at engineering but weren't that great great at marketing. The value that you can bring to a business is through better marketing, right? Like you could be that could be the entrepreneur. You're the entrepreneur on the side of the coin, and you. I just use the engineering term because I know a lot of, I happen to be a former engineer. I work with a lot of them. I know how stuck in the mud and they're good at engineering, but they're not good at marketing. And so you could bring cold calling, you could bring, you know, online advertising that can help bring leads into the door. So um, yeah, really, really awesome stuff, man. I could talk to you for hours, but I want to be very respectful of your time. It's, it's, well, a I'll, cool tell you this. I'll tell you this with what you just said, it's the three M's. Okay. It's the marketing, the management and the message. That's mm -hmm. always the problems in businesses, marketing, management, and the message. And the message meaning what? The message of what the business does? Yeah, your brand, your message, right. your message not only to your clients, but your message to your, to your employees. Right. What, what's your message? How, how can the market define you? How, how mm -hmm. do you make yourself different? Yep. And, and, it's, yep. and if, a, if a guy can go in and improve the marketing, improve the management, 
and improve the message. It's there's nowhere to go but up. Got it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Chad, I know I want to be very respectful of your time, mate. Um, at the end of every show, we dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? I'm ready. All right, brother. Mate, what is a daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? A daily habit is I make phone calls. I don't hide behind my TV screen or my, my computer screen. I, I pick up the phone. I think that's a um, a very distinct difference between me and most of the world. If, if you haven't noticed, most of the world is hiding behind their cell phone or a computer screen. There's not much interaction. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I will call you. I will, uh, I will do a Zoom meeting face-to-face. I will pop up in your office, that kind of thing. I think that's what um, really helps to my success. Awesome. Uh, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Tony Robbins and Napoleon Hill. Love it. Good, good answer. Good answer. Um, what I'm sure you have an influential tool in your business. And when I say tool, it could be a software or it could be, you know, a phone or, you know, a notebook. What, what is the most influential tool in your business today? It's my CRM system uh, mm-hmm. because the human mind can only handle so much and it, it keeps track of everything that I do to where I don't have to, you know, waste my processing time in my own head trying to remember what I should have done. So it's by far my CRM tool. Without it, I'd be lost. What, what do you use? I use Leadmaster. Uh, I, think Leadmaster. There's, I think there's better programs out there, but it's, it's, it's good for me. And it's one of those things that I've got to build how I want it. So there's no changing right. it now. So yeah, Leadmaster. And it, it's, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty robust. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll have to check it out, Leadmaster. Uh, mate, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from that failure? The biggest failure in my career by far is whenever I built a, a, a company that was worth 8 to $10 million uh, pretty easily. I could have sold it in 90 days for 8 to $10 million and I just kept the damn thing for far too long. I, I didn't, uh, I had the wrong mentality of why would I sell my business? I'm doing so well. Well, that's counterintuitive. If you want to win and you want to exit the business and move on and have a great life, you sell when you're doing well. You don't wait until it's you know down and out. And so in mm. 08 in the crash, um, I got crushed in that crash. I had 120 employees and a business that I could have sold for eight to ten million dollars, and I I sold it for nothing after 08. I mean, it was worth nothing by 09. Mm. And that by far my biggest mistake. I I I wouldn't say every day, but I would say not a month goes by that I don't kick my own ass for that because you know eight or ten million dollars. You know I I can take eight or ten million dollars and I can turn it into a hundred million dollars pretty easily. And you know it's those kind of quantum leaps. When you miss those quantum leaps, you're gonna feel it for a long time. Interesting. I think that's a really good, powerful message. Quantum leaps and. I guess that would come with self-awareness of where you are from the bigger picture point of view. And sometimes when you're in your business with your blinkers on, it can be hard to see that. So, um, yeah, maybe well, that, maybe also yeah, that and also it, nobody could anticipate the massive downfall right. of 08. I mean, right. nobody saw that coming. And, and so when I'm, when I'm making more money than I can count um, and, and somebody, you know, somebody, if somebody would come to me in, in 07 and say, Everybody's going to bet against the banks and all, you know, millions of homes are going to be foreclosed upon and, and the mortgage business is going to dry up and subprime is going to go away and it's all going to go to the banks. I'd be like, 
you are high on crack. You are nuts, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's that's where I was at. Is just like I was like, you know, you, you know, you're crazy. So I was approached in '06 to buy my company, and awesome. I, I just said, hey, why would I do that? I'm doing so well. And the, and those words were a large portion of my passion for doing what I'm doing now because I will not sit on my thumbs and let somebody, uh, you know, lose like that like I did. So it's, mm. yeah, it was a very painful lesson for me. I could imagine. Mate, last question. Where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. They want to find out a little bit more about what you do. Where do they go? Go to petersonacquisitions.com. And for your listeners, if they will, um, contact me through the website, Peterson Acquisitions, and, and I'll give them a free download of the book. Uh, I wrote the book, Swinging Doors, A Guide to Selling Your Business. And if, if they would go to the website and uh, put in that it was your show that they listened to, I will send them a free copy of the book. Awesome. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the, the lessons I took away from today's show. I think overall, the, 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 the fact that there is another world out there that when we're in the real estate world, you only think about real estate, but that there's flipping businesses and valuations of businesses and understanding that you can make a lot of money um, in in buying businesses as, as the entrepreneur and you can take a lot of risk off the table if you keep the same management in place. And I love what you said before, the marketing management and the message. Um, and not understanding what your lane is and, and leaning into it. You don't have to be the, the, the business you know, manager. You can be the entrepreneur and you know, just let it keep going as it is. Um, I also, the other side, the other message you had about the, the business owners not understanding getting out of their own way and letting go um, from a mentality point of view, exactly how you were back in 2007 to then look at like making a profit now and then going in triple or quadrupling it um, by, by buying other businesses. I think that was... Uh, Really, really powerful message. And, and also to yourself, you know, on a personal level, mate, you, you sound like you're a guy who goes out there and figures it out and rolls up the sleeves and just gets it done. So, so yeah, man, did it leave anything out? No, that's, that's, you're exactly right. You're dead on. I mean, if it's meant to be, it's up to me and, and I will roll up my sleeves and, and I'll outwork anybody. And uh, if, if it's broke, I'll fix it and I'll find <laughs> a way. That's just who I am. Awesome, man. Well, look, thank you so much again for jumping on today's show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you for having me. You too. Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice um, from Chad. He is a real guy full of some knowledge about buying businesses. If you have any questions from today's show, please jump over onto Chad's website um, because he has he is a wealth of knowledge and he's got those two books up online, which we, uh, if you go to his website, you'll be able to get your hands on them, whether you get them through a free copy and download through contacting him or jumping onto Amazon and I'm sure they're up as well. So Chad Peterson, um, broke, uh, business broker. Um, and I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack. Mm-hmm.